1 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll be reading verses 14 and 15. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. What do missionaries need in a supporting church? Verse 14 says, I hope to come to you soon. Now, who is writing? Paul. Okay. To whom? Timothy. Okay. Who is Timothy in relation to Paul? Co-worker. Paul was the, the missionary par excellence. And then he had left Timothy to pastor a church. And he says, Timothy, I want to come see you. But in case my trip is delayed. That's a still paraphrase there. I'm writing you these verses. Now, verse 15. If I delay, if I cannot come soon, if my trip is COVID, not that I will make it. If I do not make it to you, I'm writing you these things that you may know how you ought to behave or how you ought to conduct yourself where? In one word. Church. church. Yes. So we're talking about church. And we can read the rest of the verse there. The house of God. Uh, let's see, I dropped it. Behave the house, behave in or conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. I'm reading from the ESV, so you probably have a little different words, uh, pillar and ground, foundation and things like that. But let's look at it. Paul is talking about the church. What's the first phrase that Paul uses to refer to the church? House of God, the household of God. Now, what does that represent? When you picture, okay, church is the house of God. What does that have to do with anything? It usually has people in it, right? How many of you live in a house? Okay, yeah, so a house has people in it. So we come to church and there should be people. Okay, good start. What else? House of God. Okay, responsibilities. You just don't go home and sit down, right? We all have activity in that house. Good, good. So church, house of God, responsibility, activities. What else? Where God's word is taught. Okay, does that happen at your house? I mean, the church, yeah, okay. House, yeah, God's word is taught. Household, house, house of God. Family, yes, yes. So, we're at church this morning, right? Is this the house of God? Well, God's everywhere. The house of God has to do with our body. Yeah, but Paul is writing to Timothy, referring to church, and it is a, the house of God. So when you come to Altoona Regular Baptist Church, are you coming to the house of God? Who lives here? Everybody together. God, if it's the house of God, God is here. Yes, God is everywhere else, but Paul refers to the church as the house of God. So when you come to church, are you here to meet God? Why do you come to church? Why do you come to this church? 
Brother Dave, wasn't the question missionaries? Oh yeah, missionaries need a strong church back home. That's a house of God. What's the next phrase? The church, the house of the living God. Okay, the house of God, the church of the living God. Is God alive here at this house of God? Is God alive here at this church? How can you tell? Again, that's a question. Growth. Growth. Okay. A little more detail. Growth in what way? Um, that people are becoming more and more Christ-like and, and being disciples one another to one another. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. That shows that God is alive. That we have a living God. A living Savior. How else? Fruits of the Spirit, and the Spirit is God. Uh -huh. So we see God's working. Yes, how else? Is God alive? Yes. How do we see that at Ankeny or Altoona Baptist Church? Switch towns. That's what we remember, so. <laughs> What's the opposite of a living God? Yeah, just say it, say it. Question and answer time. A dead God. So when you come to church, is God alive or do you come to meet a dead God? Is there, are there dead gods? Well, if they're dead, they're really not gods, right? But there are many dead gods. Many people around the world are worshiping, serving, following dead gods. They may go to a church or a place of worship and there's not a living God there. So what do missionaries need in a supporting church? We need a church that when you step in, people know this is the house of God. And God lives here. God is alive. Do you have a living God? Do you serve a living God? Do you come to church to meet a living God? The last phrase there in verse 15 says that church is also the pillar and ground or depending on the different translations there, buttress. What's a buttress? A support. Yes, it's kind of like the pillar, kind of like the column. We have columns in this church. Not all churches have columns. In Peru, all the churches do because it's concrete, masonry type thing. So we have a column, we have a column, we have a column. We have a pillar, we have a pillar. And the buttress, typically in the churches back in those days, was a column outside this one that would support the inside column. But if your Bible says ground, then you're talking about the foundation underneath each pillar. Now, they are pillars, foundation, support of what? Truth, truth. So again, what is church all about? It's about truth. Yeah, but in our day and age, day and age, brother Dave, truth, I mean, that's relative. Yeah, that's the day and age we live in. So why do you come to church? So you can know and find truth. And if we're talking about truth, then there is also lies, falseness. What do you believe? Why do you come to church? 
Is it to meet the living God and find truth? Where else will you find truth? If it's not God and his word. So what do missionaries need in a supporting church? We need churches that show that they serve a living God. That they're founded and based upon the truth of God's word. So again, why do you come to this church? Is truth taught here at this church? Yes. Is it evident that there's a living God at this church? Yes. Are you a part of that? Well, I don't know. Pastor's job is to teach truth. Others are involved. No, then you're not serving a living God. We have to be involved in church. Now, let's turn over a couple of pages. Let's say Timothy chapter 8. Do you have that? <clears throat> second Timothy chapter 2. Same thing, second volume. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Again, who writes? Paul, writing to Timothy a few years later. We come to verse, or chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Again, you know this, this verse, especially verse 2. And Paul is asking Timothy, be faithful, be strengthened, be strong. And what you have heard of me, and what had Paul shared with Timothy? What had Timothy heard from Paul? Among many other things, 1 Timothy chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, 4, 5 and 6, chapter 1, and here we are, verse chapter 2. So Timothy had learned a lot of information, but he knew that church was supposed to be the house of God, the living God, and pillar and ground buttress of truth. Now what you have learned of me, pass on to others. Is that right? Trick question. No. Paul says, what you have learned of me, Timothy, pass on to faithful men. And then those faithful men are to pass what you have heard from me on to others. So how many levels of teaching do we have here? We have Paul, who taught Timothy. Timothy taught faithful men, and those faithful men are to teach others. Now, where are you on that ladder of education? Quite a ways down. Okay, Paul, well, we're not, none of us are apostles, okay, but let's say we put our, our senior pastor up at the top. And maybe you don't have an assistant pastor. I need to be up to date here on Altoona. But uh, we have some good men at church that teach, right? Yes. yes. Okay. Now, Paul taught Timothy, and they teach faithful men. Faithful men. Do you have some of those here at Altoona? Okay. Now, who else is left? The others. The others. 
Now, if you're new to the faith, you have just trusted Christ as your Savior, new to this church, then yes, maybe you are one of the others. But if you have been saved for years and you know Scripture and you are part of this church, then you should no longer be one of the others. Is that correct? How many here can be faithful enough to teach others the truth of God's Word? I would say about 95%. Right? Can we teach truth, the truth of God's Word, to others? So again, back to the question. What do missionaries need in a supporting church? We need churches that, yes, believe God is living and truth is part of their life, but then they are teaching others, ministering to others. Don't come to church just to sit and listen. It's time to be trained and be able to teach others. That doesn't mean you'll be up here in the pulpit. There are many ways we can share the truth of God's word with others. Again, so where are you? Are you a part of the house of God, the living God? Truth is taught here. Are you training to be a teacher of God's truth? Well, that's what we need in a supporting church. Let's shrink the circle, the circle a little bit. We have the church. Let's bring it into a smaller unit. What would that be? We have church, and then we have family. What do missionaries need in their church? We need a church full of strong families, faithful families. If you have your Bibles, open them, please, to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. And there's one little phrase that we're all familiar with, but let's begin reading at verse 14. Joshua chapter 24, we'll read 14 and 15. When you get home, it would be good to read chapters 23 and 24, all complete, okay? We're just going to focus on two verses this morning. Joshua 24, verse 14 says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's jump back to verse 14. Joshua is giving his farewell, his last speech. The children of Israel are ready to go home and live in the promised land. Exciting times. But Joshua wants to give one last challenge. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and faithfulness. What does Joshua ask of the people of Israel? That they would fear God. What does that mean? Fear God. Does it mean to be afraid? At times. But yet it has to do with reverencing God. Worshipping God. Putting God high 
on the priority list. Do you fear God? Do you honor God with your life? Well, Brother Dave, I'm here at church. Well, yeah, that wasn't the question. So often we come to church. Well, Sunday morning, for one hour, I fear God. Eh, that's not fear. It's every day. And then what does the rest, or the next phrase say? Serve Him, serve Him, serve Him. What does that make God? Master, Master who am I? Servant. If I'm supposed to serve God, then I'm the servant. What does that mean? God, whatever you say. Is that right? That's what serve means. God, whatever you say, I'm here, just tell me. How are you doing? Is that your relationship with God? Or is God more your servant? So often we have things turned around. Fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness and in truth. What's the next phrase? We're in verse 14, by the way. What's the next phrase? Put away other gods. What does that have to do with fearing God and serving Him? This is the nation of Israel, God's people. They're about to enter the land and live there. They've already conquered it. It's time to relax. God has given them the promised land. Fear Him. Yeah, that's good. Serve Him. Yeah. Put away other gods. Where does that come in? Is it possible for us here at church to still have other gods? Even though we come to church every Sunday. Other things take God's place. And Joshua said, talking to believers, followers of God, put away your God. And then he ends the verse, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord again. God is God. God is Lord. We are servants. But then he comes to another part, verse 15. And he challenges the nation of Israel to choose. Choose. Yes, fear him. Serve him. Put away other gods. Serve God. But you need to choose. Choose this day whom you will serve. How often do we need to choose to serve God? Sunday mornings? Once a week? Well, I chose to serve God way back when I got saved. That should be good enough. Well, one year I went to camp and I made a decision to serve God. Or do we need to choose every day? Every morning we get up, we have to choose to serve God. Is that enough? No, because then we go to work. And what happens at work? We have to choose to be faithful to God. How often do we have to choose to serve God at work? The eight hours we put in. Once I get there, I choose? Or is it different situations throughout the workday? 
And then I come home. Mommy, Daddy, I have to choose to fear God, to serve Him. It's throughout the day. And then we come to verse 15, the last phrase, the one we all enjoy. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Now, who's talking? Joshua. And what does he say? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will fear God. We will serve him. We will put away other God. We will choose to serve God. So what kind of a man was Joshua? Help me out. He was the faithful servant. And who did he include in this phrase? As for me and my house. Okay, who does that include? Come smaller, closer together. Okay, closer, closer, closer. My wife. As for me and my my household, my wife. As for me and my wife. I realize it's bad grammar, but there's emphasis. It's correct in this case, okay? <laughs> Joshua says, as for me, I will fear God. I will serve God. I will be faithful. But I will also, with my wife, fear God, serve him, and choose. So what kind of a man was Joshua? God-fearing... Husband, yes, we're talking about his wife. That makes him the husband. I know we're in different age these days, but yes. As for me and my wife, we will serve the Lord. He was a spiritual husband. Let's go a little farther. As for me and my wife and children, children. What does that tell us about Joshua? He was a father that feared the Lord, served the Lord, taught his children about God. And he was the example. Who else? As for me and my house, me and my wife, my children, you already mentioned it. Servants. What did the servants do back then, 3,500 years ago? They served, okay, yeah. What did Joshua's servants do? Cooking, yeah, some of them would be involved in cooking. How did they cook back then? Firewood, okay, yeah, so they probably had someone doing that. Okay, what else? Somebody had to kill, okay. You had your own uh, butcher there and all that kind of thing. Yeah, okay, good, good. Keep it coming. What else did the servants do? Probably wash clothes, things like that, okay. Yeah, they didn't have a washer and dryer. They had to go find some water river type thing. Keep it coming. What else did the servants do? Up to take care of kids, uh-huh. Okay, the servants defended the family. Yeah, okay. Now, do we have servants today? Yes. What do you cook with? Firewood? Oh, you have a stove. Okay, there's your servant. You wash clothes? You have someone wash your clothes for you? <clears throat> you have your washer and dryer. Okay, someone... Get the food? No, we have Walmart or wherever you go, Fairway, Hy-Vee, whatever. We have servants. Joshua said, as for me and my house, 
As for me, my wife, my children, my things, we will serve the Lord. The bar is way up there, right? Joshua just raised the bar way up high. Joshua says, I will fear the Lord. I will serve him. I will put away other gods. I will choose to serve God. But then there's that little word, but. But. What does that have to do with anything? Verse 15 says, you choose. You do whatever you want. But I don't care what you do. I will serve the Lord. Even if I am the only family, I will serve God. That high bar just went through the roof. Do we need Joshua's in our churches today in 2021? Men, would you please stand? I realize today that's kind of confusing. If you consider yourself to be a man on your feet. Men, can we be like Joshua? It's tough. It's a challenge. It's way up there. But our churches need Joshua's. Our families need Joshua's. This world needs Joshua. That's got to bite the bullet there and let's go, right? But we need Joshua's today. Now, ladies, be careful with the elbow, okay? The bar is way up there. Ladies, are you praying for your husband that he would be a Joshua? Are you helping him become that Joshua? Yeah, I get the stick out all the time I'm giving, and that's the wrong kind of help. If we were like Joshua, what would our families be like? What would our churches be like? Thank you, man. You may be seated. What do missionaries need in a supporting church? We need churches that are true to God's word. Truth, pillars, buttress of truth. We need families that are faithful, preparing the next generation. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then we shrink the circle one more step, and that's individually, a solid believer. We need believers that are faithful. If you have your Bibles, open them, please, to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Individually, personally, as a believer, what should we be doing? And again, Paul writes this time to a church, but he focuses on each individual believer. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, please. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, Paul asks us to walk according to our vocation, according to 
what we have been called to. Now, what have we been called to? What's our vocation? Vocation. Be ambassadors, okay. That was in Corinthians, but that's fine, that's fine. We are called to salvation. We are to live as believers. We should walk worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Walk worthy according to the salvation that God has wrought in us. Now, how many of you walk every day? Yeah. How many of you walk spiritually every day? How often do we walk? How many steps do we take every day? And nowadays we all have our watches, we have our phone, we're counting steps. Walk worthy of the salvation. As believers, we should walk like believers. And that's what Paul is encouraging the people here in this church at Ephesus. Walk, live like believers. In other words, can other people tell you're a Christian? Not just Sunday morning at this hour. How about yesterday? How about tomorrow, Monday? Do others notice that you are a believer? Paul tells us to walk, to live like a believer. Jump over to verse 17. Chapter 4, verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. No longer walk. We are to walk like believers, but we are no longer to walk as unbelievers. There should be a difference. Is there a difference in your life? We walk as believers and we walk less and less as unbelievers. We live like Christians and less and less like those without Christ. Let me ask you this question. Do you have Christ as your Savior? Okay, about two of you. Let me ask you again. Maybe somebody didn't catch it. Do you have Christ as your Savior? Yes. Is that noticeable? Can others tell that you're a Christian? That's what Paul is asking. Walk, live like a believer, no longer walk like an unbeliever. How does that process happen? Less and less like an unbeliever, more and more like a believer. Verses 22, 23, and 24. Chapter 4, 22. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. God has saved us, and we should live less like an unbeliever, more like a believer, and that includes putting off sin, verse 22, changing the way we think, verse 23, this is wrong, this does not please God, I don't need to be doing that, different focus, change of heart, change of thinking, and this is what I will do, Christ-likeness, righteousness, justice, etc. So to walk according to that salvation that we have, verse 1, and not walk as unbelievers, there needs to be these three steps. Putting off sin, changing the way I think, and putting on Christ-likeness. And if there are not those three steps, then we are not growing, we are not walking. Salvation has to do with sin, is that correct? 
If we were not sinners, we would not need salvation. The salvation has to do with sin. And so Christ paid for our sin. So as we grow in our sanctification, holiness, sanctification, that also has to do with sin. For us to become more like Christ, we must put away sin. Brother Dave, but I'm here at church every Sunday. That's great. But what about sin? Are we walking more and more like Christ and less and less like an unbeliever? Well, what do missionaries need in a supporting church? The big picture, we need churches that are faithful, solid, built on God's truth. Training others, teaching others, serving involved. We need families like Joshua, serving, faithful teaching their children. And then we need believers that are walking more and more like Christ. What does that have to do with missionaries? Well, if we do not have churches, if we do not have families, if we do not have individuals that are faithful to the Lord, there will be no missionaries. We need churches, we need families, we need believers back home that are faithful, strong to the Lord. If Christ tarries his return, where will Altoona Regular Baptist Church be in 2050? 30 years from now. Where will you be? Where will your family be? Well, 30 years, that's up to them. No, no. That's the mess we're in here in the United States because 30 years ago, 50 years ago, someone was not thinking about where we are going. Where will Altoona Regular Baptist Church be 30 years from now? Where, where will your family be 30 years from now? Well, Pastor, I won't even be here. I'm going to be in heaven. Yeah, okay. Yeah, come quickly and may he come. Yes, we're ready. I'm just too old. Well, no, everybody. What happens 30 years from now is determined right now are you training your children for 30 years down the road as a church are you growing serving the Lord faithful walking so that 30 years from now Altoona is still a strong church where will you be 30 years from now and that is determined right now where we are today is Altoona a church that's grounded on the truth of God's word? Yes. How about your family? Individually? Are you walking as a believer? 30 years will come up pretty quick. 30 years ago, I was planning a wedding with candy. Four children are gone. 2050, if Christ tarries, is just around the corner. And we need to be faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for Altoona Church. Thank you for Christ and salvation that he gives us, changes our lives, transforms our hearts. But yet, Father, you give us responsibility as individuals, as families, as the church. I pray that you'll help us to be growing, help us to be faithful, 
servants of you. Again, thank you for your word and how it teaches us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.